Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Thanks for joining us here on this Saturday morning. Tyler Rocky and Tim Leonard with you until 10 o'clock today. We've got a lot to get to. Syracuse, an embarrassing loss on the road at the hands of NC State. We'll break down what that means as well as a look ahead at Syracuse's slate. Also, Syracuse football getting a little bit of pub this week. They land a transfer defensive end. We'll talk everything we know about Jeffrey Gunter coming up in just a little bit, and then we'll wrap things up, as always, with Fizz Feedback. But first, as always, be sure to subscribe to us everywhere, iTunes as well. as We're on Spotify now as well. You can get all the episodes of Fizz Radio as well as the Fizzcast as well. Tim and I are lining something up right now with Cameron Lynch. We're going to talk to him at some point. Hopefully for a fizzcast in, in the near future. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that conversation. So be on the lookout for that. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud. So you know the deal. Go follow us wherever you can find us online. Now, Tim, you were down at NC State. I was. And it was ugly, 73-58 your final. First half, certainly a lot better than the second half, for Syracuse at least. And when you look at the intricacies of this game, there's a lot I think, going on here. <laughs> I think you see a lot of misleading things in the box score. If you only looked at the box score, you did not see the complete game. Yes. Because you look at this and you think, all right, Frank Howard had a great night, which he did. He did have a really good night shooting the ball. Um, Tyus Battle, O'Shea Brissett, Pastor, and Elijah Hughes, I think that's that, that's pretty telling. The box score right. kind of says it all. 15 points amongst their big three right there. Those are your three leading scores that you're expecting to have patrol you through each sing- each game and every night, and they didn't show up in this one. And Syracuse, I don't think there's going to be a lot of nights for the remainder of the season where you don't have a single one of those three show up, and it's Frank Howard trying to carry the load for this team you offensively. Not, but for Syracuse's yeah. sake. But on the other side, too, NC State, they did not shoot well from no. three in this game. <laughs> they, really they, didn't. they went five of 18, and they didn't get a lot of offensive rebounds, which is one of their calling cards as a team. They only had seven in this one, and this is a team that averages about 14, ranks 10th in the nation yeah. in that department, but they didn't miss a lot of shots either. No. I mean, the weird thing is it feels like two guys made shots in this game. It was Frank Howard for Syracuse. He goes eight for 16, five for 11 from three. He scores 21 points. I believe that's a season high for him. It is, If yeah. it's not, it was... I mean, Duke maybe was up there, but I think it is a season high for him. Then you get Braxton Beverly, who ties his personal season high with 21 points as well. He goes four for eight from downtown, nine for nine from the free throw line. Only shots he took were from downtown. But outside of that, one other guy made a three in this game. Markel Johnson went yeah. one for three from beyond the arc. No one but Frank Howard made a three for Syracuse. They go five for 25 total, 20% from beyond the arc. And the last time these two teams played in PNC Arena, I think they set a PNC Arena record for the amount of threes they made when John Gillen yeah. scored 43 and Andrew White had 28 in that game. It's a completely different result today or, or previously earlier this week on Wednesday because both these teams just struggled offensively. And even though Syracuse did cut it to three at the half and they made that late charge. They got it within one. They got one it within point, yeah. one at one point, but – it just never really seemed like they got in a flow offensively, and it was really mostly their defense stepping up in the later stages of the first half to get them back in the game. But 
this is concerning. I mean, the big three did not show up, and Devin Daniels, credit him for NC State. He did a great job locking down Tyus Battle all night. Seven points. It's the first time in a while that I've actually watched a Syracuse basketball game and been like, Man, I feel like Tyus Battle has not touched the ball that much. Yeah, it, tonight. it felt like he got frozen out. Yeah, at it was point, very especially weird. in the second half. There were times there were well, possessions. He got some foul trouble too. Right, he did, but that shouldn't freeze you out offensively. No. And the the really peculiar thing to me is he was on the opposite side of the floor as the ball. Yeah, it was and very odd. It, I did not understand why he wasn't getting. T- I mean, Tyus Battle is by far and away your best offensive player. Why is he not touching the ball every single possession? Literally every possession is what it should be. And if it's not him, it's Elijah Hughes. I know Brissett really struggled. I mean, he was the most glaring issue in terms of the big three because Brissett had a big size advantage on a lot of the guys that were guarding him all night. NC State, although they get a lot of offensive rebounds, they play four guards in their starting lineup. At times, Markel Johnson, who's right around 6'3", was guarding Brissett. Braxton Beverly matched up on him on some switches, and they tried to get the ball down low to him and expose that, and he finishes the game 1-for-9, 0-for-2 from 3. He has five rebounds, gets in a little bit of foul trouble, and only has two points after three straight double-doubles, and it looked like he was trending up. You're listening to Fizz Radio here on The Score 1260. Tyler Aki, Tim Leonard, talking the NC State loss, 73-58, to your final down in Raleigh. Now, Jim Beheim did something pretty interesting in that first half. Very he, interesting. He brought in... Robert Braswell and Jalen Carey in the first half. And I want to break this down a little bit for you. So Buddy Beheim, ever since ACC plays started, he's been the most effective freshman. He's played the most minutes amongst freshmen. But Robert Braswell and Jalen Carey each played just as, no, just as much, if not more, than Beheim in that first half. Robert Braswell comes in. He plays five minutes, picks up a couple steals. And then on the other side, Jalen Carey, he comes in, doesn't really take a lot of shots, doesn't force the issue, kind of a non-factor, but he was was all right out there. turn it over. And that just, I mean, seeing (laughs) both of them in the first half, and they're they're kind of the ones that helped spark this run, too. It was so Particularly with Braswell. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he had three steals, and at one point, I think they gypped him a steal. They went back and corrected it. So he does have he does finish the game with three steals, and they were in succession when they went on that 11-0 run. I was, I mean, I took a double take when Jalen Carey came into the game, and I was like, what am I, this is odd. Because, took a triple take when Braswell Yeah, came. Braswell, I was like, all right, now I just have no idea what Bam's doing tonight, because... He's gone back to what his principles are, which is shorting down the rotation and trimming it down as we get deeper into the season. Carey had played 14 minutes combined in the last seven games total, and a lot of those were garbage time. He hadn't really played significant minutes since Notre Dame, which was the very first ACC game, and he hasn't scored. I mean, he didn't score in this game either. I guess he did make a a couple shots, and he made some free throws, but there was a stretch where actually Braswell and Carey hit free throws back-to-back, and it was like the last two points for Robert Braswell and Jalen Carey, which was wild. But you're right, Robert Braswell kind of made an impact on this game, and I don't know if he even knew that he was going to be playing. I don't know what the situation was. If Jim just turned him and said, hey, you're in, go for it, maybe there was some pre-warning. It's the classic movie where the guy looks at himself like, you're talking to me? Yeah, really. (laughs) I mean, it might have been one of those situations, but he... For someone that's a freshman, hasn't played zone his life, presumably, and he came in and hasn't played the zone much this season and was in the right spots. And when NC State tried to go baseline to Wyatt Walker, a play that was burning Syracuse all game long, they go to the ACC logo, then go high to low with a pass, 
and he deflected it three times in a row and stopped it, snuffed it out. So he played great date. With Braswell, I think this is now an interesting thing because yeah. 10 players played in that first half. You threw him into meaningful minutes, and he contributed. By my estimation, he passed. Yeah. He passed his tryout. Absolutely. He's warranted the right to maybe see seven to 10 minutes a night now because, yeah. I mean, there are times where O'Shea Brissett O'Shea is not cutting it offensively. Now, Robert Braswell is definitely going to be probably a more effective player defensively. But we'll see how that stacks up as the gauntlet picks up in these next couple of games. But Braswell can shoot the ball. He's got a three-point stroke. I believe this year he's shooting the ball at a 66% clip. Granted, the sample size is under 10 shots, I want to say. Right. But with a guy like Braswell, and you put him out there, you give him some opportunity, there's going to be some growing pains, and there's, of course, going to be a short leash with him against these really good ACC teams. But... I don't see a reason why you don't test this out a little yeah. more and keep extending them a little bit. So I'm with you. My only thing is— you did like, it on the road, too. Yeah, but, like, why this game? That's yeah, what's that... so puzzling because I agree 100% with that thought process. Like, Braswell's a three-star guy. He might be a little under-recruited. He, we clearly know he has some talent. He's played well when he's been on the floor, but why didn't we work him in or why didn't Syracuse work him in a little bit more against St. Bonaventure and some non-conference right. opponents? And then— you lead him in and sort of ease him in to maybe the later half of ACC play once it becomes a lot of games and X amount of days and your players are getting a little more tired. Maybe that contributed to the decision a little, but now Syracuse has a week off before Louisville. They can rest up a little bit, which they need, and it maybe throws Braswell out of the rotation because I don't know how much of it was Jim just throwing in Braswell to send a message to the starters last night, like, hey, your minutes can be taken away from you. Mm-hmm. Like, this needs to get better. Or was it... I sense my guys are a little bit tired. They've played a lot of games in a short amount of time, and I'm just going to throw in a fresh body and see what he can do. I really don't know if Jim went into that game and said, I'm going to play Robert Braswell and Jalen Carey tonight, or if it was a product of what was happening on the floor. It's hard right. to tell. Yeah, I think with, with – I mean, Carey has always kind of been the guy who you throw in if you, you need maybe a little bit of a spark at times. And I will say this season – I, th- I think Jim Beheim's been waiting for Jalen Carey to kind of take over Frank Howard's spot, and yeah, yes he just and no. I mean, he just hasn't done it. Right. He has not performed the way that he would have liked. And Frank Howard, yeah, he played a, a a good game in the stat sheet with the 21 points, but outside of that, he was giving you a lot of nothing. Four turnovers in this game in just 28 minutes. Yeah. Season high in turnovers to go along with his season high in points. Honestly, was Frank really that much better? I feel no, like he it just, just felt made like, his threes. Right. The, I, the shots went in. I feel like he was he still was taking still, a lot of dumb, yes, long contested twos. <laughs> I agree. I mean, it's it's a weird thing to bring up because he scored 21 points and he was finally making those shots, but there were a lot of silly shots and a lot of long jumpers, and it just so happened that he found his stroke a little bit in this game. He He still wasn't beating people off the dribble. He still wasn't attacking the basket, being aggressive, making nice passes. No assists either. I mean, he had no other stats. He had one rebound, no assist, and four turnovers, which is a little too many if you're the starting point guard. I mean, you've got to cut those down, and we know that's been a problem in the past, but it's easy to see the 21 points and just assume he played much better. I just feel like he just finally shot it the way he's proven that he can shoot it. He just hasn't done it this year. He's become a good catch-and-shoot shooter yeah I'm, I'm not a big fan of his shot off the dribble as much but 
With, with Howard, I mean, you need a point guard who can get to the basket, and right. he has not shown you that. To see a point guard go out there and 11 of his 16 shots are threes, I don't have his shot chart in front of me, but it I know he took perimeter. at least two or three deep twos where maybe he had a foot on the line or it was the ones where, like, you see the referee point and it goes with the two When's fingers. When's the last, like, I feel like it's been ages since that guy has driven to the basket and, like, finished around a defender with a layup at, at the rim. Mm-hmm. I like, I'm sure it's happened every once in a while in the past four or five games, but I cannot remember one if I, like, close my eyes and visualize him doing it in the past five or six games. It feels like it's only Tyus Battle and Elijah Hughes and maybe even Marek occasionally taking it one-on-one against the defender, but... It's never Frank Howard, and he's still got to be more aggressive. Even though he scored 21 points, I don't think a whole lot changed. All right, coming up next, we'll get to the road ahead for Syracuse. Four of the next five games coming against top 25 teams. How many can the Orange pull off? We'll tell you on the other side. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Welcome back. Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard. Now, we just wrapped up a little bit of a conversation about that NC State loss for Syracuse. you miss any of that, check it out on SoundCloud or Spotify. You can get all the latest episodes of Fizz Radio there. Let's talk a little bit about what's coming up for Syracuse because it's not easy. Four of the next five games coming against ranked teams. you got Louisville next Wednesday. Then you have Duke a week from today. UNC on the road that Tuesday after Duke. And then another home game. Probably a big Monday type of game for uh, Syracuse against Virginia on March 4th. So (laughs) this is not easy. You got a little buffer game in there at Wake Forest, but you look at all of these games that Syracuse has ahead of it, and all four of those teams rank inside the top 16 of those new net rankings. And wow. I don't know about you. I've turned on the net. I I I love it now. Big fan of it right now. I think it's pretty accurate. What's SU at? They're like SU upper 40s, right? I want to. I think they're like 47. 40s, 48. Okay, they were 47 yeah. yesterday. They moved to 48 today. Makes so, sense. That's that's where Syracuse sits right now. So everything we know, there you got four games against ranked teams to close out the season. The Syracuse team probably feels like it's two wins away from really feeling good about the tournament. Right. Three wins away from feeling like you've solidified your fate. 11 wins in the ACC should do it for you. And you've also got the ACC tournament, too. Mm -hmm. So that's an opportunity to get another resume-solidifying win. The weird thing about this team, and I know it's still been a lot of ups and downs this year, and it's been very similar to the past three or four years, but this team in particular, I feel like they don't really play to their competition. They've just been playing at a consistent rate, and when they play against tough teams— They've been losing by a lot. I mean, FSU. Yeah, six of their eight losses this year have come by double digits. Which is, I mean, that's a little concerning. I know Jim Mm -hmm. said after the game against NC State, he basically said it doesn't matter if you lose by one or 20. Like, I don't care. A win is a win, a loss is a loss, and that's all that matters. Well, you'd like to see them at least make these a little bit closer, especially with the net rating, because that's factoring that in, the margin of defeat and victory and all that. This is the guinea pig season too, so we don't know exactly sure, how but. much the net will be taken into account, but you gotta think that there there is some semblance of use for it. I mean, right. there's a reason they implemented and this thing as a, a metric. It's interesting because NC State 
is kind of the opposite. They don't really have any quality wins. But Kevin Keats, after the game, was saying, we've got a lot of good losses, which is a weird thing to brag about. (laughs) But they almost beat Virginia. They've been close against UNC two times. It's a lot of good losses. Syracuse doesn't really have a ton of good losses. The only time they really played to their competition was Duke. And you can evaluate how much of that was Trey Jones leaving and such. Obviously, regardless, it's the number one team in the country on the road. Huge yeah. win. That is the Best exception. win in college basketball. Yeah, right, really. I mean, that's the exception to what I'm saying. But when you go through the list, they're winning the games they're supposed to be winning, even when they're on the road this year, which is a big difference. They're not playing down to their competition, but they're not necessarily playing up to their competition when you lose by – Almost 20 points to Virginia Tech. You lose handedly to Florida State at home, and you lose by 15 to NC State. It's weird because now you're getting into that realm where you're going to have to play up to your competition when you look especially at Louisville, Duke, and UNC, your next three. The nice thing about Louisville is you've got a full week to kind of unwind. You had a couple of road games in there. Um, What is it? It's four of the last six have come on the road. So you're you're going to get back into the swing of things. The nice thing about these ranked games is that Syracuse has three of the four at home. Yep. So the lone time you go on the road is at Chapel Hill for a ranked opponent for the remainder of the season. Now, UNC has given Syracuse all sorts of fits. I think they've won their last seven games against Jim Beheim. They can't ever since. beat them, I yeah. mean, that, that has been... Syracuse's Achilles heel since right. joining the ACC. It they always have a zone buster, too. It's They've, been Theo Pinson, right. and they can rebound. It's really a terrible matchup year in and year out. Right. Who knows who it will be this year? That's kind of yeah. up in the air right now. But we'll get to that game later on as the season goes on. Louisville and Duke coming up this week. You look at all the things you got going, and – this feels like the week where you have to pull out one of those wins. It does. It feels like this Louisville game is the big. It's the biggest game of the year, and that's easy to say because given the timeliness of the game and we're getting closer and closer to tournament time, but this is that game that puts them over the top and solidifies them as a 9 or an 8 seed and not on the bubble. And it's a doable win. I mean, Louisville is a team that has overachieved this year with Chris Mack in his first year. They've been really good. They just almost beat Duke at home. Don't get me wrong. This is not going to be an easy game to win. But at the same time, Syracuse matches up with them talent-wise, and they're probably actually a little bit more talented than Louisville. Mm-hmm. When and you, you got really them on your home the, floor. Yeah, when you really played the X's and O's. So even though Louisville's high, highly ranked and, and they're going to be favored in this game, even though it's probably – I mean, you you think they'd be favored. We'll see what happens yeah. with Louisville in the next week, even though it's at the Carrier Dome. But – this is that game that I'm circling because Duke is going to be really tough, even though it's at home. And UNC, they never beat. Duke's the revenge factor, too. Yeah. And it and looks like that's going to be college game day. Yeah. I think it was just announced uh, earlier this week that Jay Billis and Dan Schulman will be at that it's game. Gotta so be game it, it's got to be. Um, but yeah, no, Duke's certainly, I mean, they're going to be at full strength, too. They're going to have Cam Reddish yep. back. And I mean, Reddish was instrumental in in Duke's comeback against Louisville. And then you're going to have Trey Jones back, too, barring anything between now and the Duke game. And you know he's going to want to be out there and try to get a a big win because Duke was going to win that game by 25, 30 points. (laughs) You really think so? I mean, it wasn't going to be close. Right. I mean, it was not trending in the right direction. I 
it's weird because it feels like all these Duke Syracuse games have to be close, and the revenge factor of this game tells me that Duke is just going to come in and blitz Syracuse like they did at the start, but follow through on it all the way through and and win that game pretty handedly, or it's going to be close. I, I I don't know what to make of it. I, I do think it's it's just not a game that Syracuse can expect to win right now after beating them on the road and considering they'll have Reddish and Jones back. You're listening to Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260. Tyler Aki, Tim Leonard. Uh, so, Tim, you look at these four games. I want you to rank them right now. Okay. The most winnable to least winnable. Just the next four, so the, including Wake? Not inclu- no, 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 the, the four ranked games. Oh, four ranked games. Okay. I'd say Louisville will go easiest to win to hardest. Louisville's the easiest to win, I think. Oh, then, man. It's tough. It's tough. <laughs> Because I don't see them beating UVA, UNC, or Duke, especially UNC on the road. I'll say UNC on the road is number two easiest because UNC has been a little inconsistent this year. I mean, Louisville right. went in and They are playing some them. of their best ball, though. Yeah, although Miami but a lot challenged can change them between now and then, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to say UNC on the road, second most winnable. Duke at home, I don't know. Maybe UVA at home, third most winnable, and then Duke is fourth. I mean, is that what you're thinking? Uh, I'm going Louisville number one. It's so tough. The to last pick. three are such a toss up. I mean, they're all like literally a five. It's one of those things where ESPN, you feel like Duke's got to lose at some point, right? But it's not going to be again to Syracuse. You, you can't. I you mean, can't. I mean, who Syrac- knows? <laughs> I, a team gonna, isn't sweeping Duke. I'm going to say UVA is the fourth hardest and Duke is the third hardest. I'm going to switch up those. But I still think UNC on the road, that shows how much I believe in the revenge factor for Duke, that I'm saying UNC on the road is an easier game to win than Duke or UVA. None home. of these games are easy. Again, this no. is splitting hairs here. Louisville is the clear easiest one. Yeah, and, and we're, that's not even easy. Right. I mean, <laughs> that's not an easy game. None of these it's are. Tough. But if you have to pick one of Duke, Carolina, and Virginia that Syracuse wins. I would say, I would say Carolina. You and say that's Carolina? weird to say because it's the road game of these four. Yeah, I'm um, probably saying Virginia. Yeah, I mean they played pretty well against Virginia. It's just they know them well. It's, it's just, just how will the, all of like, the offense play? Right. I mean, I just can't visualize Syracuse scoring more than 65 points against Virginia, even at home. I mean, mm-hmm. they need Tyus Battle. They need everyone clicking at the same time. It also time. feels like short turnaround big Monday road teams always win, too. <laughs> yeah, that's a two-day rest after going down south for Wake Forest. That's yeah. a tough draw, really tough draw. So, who knows? It, it'll be tough, but I, I guess I'd probably go Louisville, Virginia, Carolina, Duke. How confident my... are we that they take care of Wake and, and or Clemson? It, so those are the two games that can solidify you as a 10-win team in your conference. Positive. You're probably looking at, what, a 7 seed at that point? 8 seed? I don't know. Assuming you win one or two games in the ACC yeah, tournament. If you, if, yeah. Well, I'm, no, I'm saying in the ACC tournament seeding. Sorry, that was unclear. Oh, okay, okay. If you get to 10 wins, if you win 10, you're above 500. pull up these ACC standings. Right, because NC wins State's ACC, well behind. Right. There's a lot of teams, and, and that's the thing, too, is – there are teams that are going to be behind Syracuse last year, or, or rather this year, that you don't want to face in the ACC tournament. No, it, and that first game is going to be so critical because it feels like the committee's just going to wait for 
that opportunity for Syracuse to play against a team that they're equal with and beat them. They need to prove that, and that was this NC State game that did, they didn't fall through. So on, right now, Syracuse is sitting at a sixth seed, half a game ahead of and of ahead of Florida State. All right, we so, don't know their exact road, but I'm assuming it's not as tough as what we just laid out. Right, for Syracuse. exactly. And I, I know they've already played Duke. Have they played UNC yet? I don't think they have. Florida State? I don't think so. And no. I don't think they've played Virginia either, but I could be wrong mm, on that. Um, I can't remember. So right now Syracuse sitting at a six. Um, I don't think they played Virginia either. Now. So they have. Uh, they have played Virginia. Looking at yeah, oh, Virginia was the first game they played in the yeah. I remember that game. Oh it right. Was, uh, yep. Syracuse played Notre Dame that game or that same day. So when I when you look at what what the standings shake out right now. You don't have the tiebreakers over the two teams on your tail in Florida State and NC State. And NC State's got a much easier finish. I mean, they just went through their tough stretch. Right. So they're mm-hmm. still kind of and they're on the six tail and end, the fact but... they're six and six is tip your hat. Yeah, honestly. Now you've got Clemson and then a bunch of three win ACC teams right now. What's Clemson's record? Clemson is five and six. I don't see them catching Syracuse. But what if, I mean, if they beat Syracuse, that's a two-game swing right there. Right, but Syracuse has also beaten them one time, too. Yeah, that's, that's so fair. So the way I see, I don't see anyone, Clemson and below, catching up to Syracuse, because I do think Syracuse right. has at least one more win in them in the ACC, and that would mean Clemson would have to go 4-3 and three in, in the conference. For so the if they of the stay way. ahead of Clemson, and let's say Florida State and NC State jump them, they're the seventh seed, is that right? Uh they, that would make them the eighth seed. Eighth seed, because mm-hmm. you've got uh, like Louisville, UNC, Duke, Virginia. They're at the top, and they're pretty clearly at the top. And then it's Syracuse well, Syracuse right, right now, now is is in a three way tie and Virginia Tech with Virginia right. Tech and I'm Louisville. About them, okay. So you still can win your head to head with Louisville, which could shape seeding, although probably not given each team's remaining schedules. But at the same time, I mean, any little tiebreaker you can pick up. So it feels like we're heading for just two games against Clemson back-to-back is a possibility. It is a possibility. If they yep. go on the road and then they play them at a neutral site in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And I would be okay with playing Clemson in the ACC yeah. tournament. I mean, they Not a laughing stock, but not a, a great team that really instills a lot of fear in you. Right. And then if you win against Clemson and you put up a fight against, I guess they would play, then they'd go right to the one seed. Is that right? That's I usually how that works. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd have to look at the, right. how the so ACC regardless, I mean, is again, I but. think if they take care of Wake and Clemson, and the, let's just say they lose all four of those ranked games, Louisville, Duke, UNC, and UVA, and they beat Wake and Clemson on the road, you're talking about a lot of road wins in conference play, which yeah. that's something that you can pat your back for. And that's then you win an ACC tournament you, game. Yeah. I mean, even though they'd finish the season two and four or two and five, really, when you look at NC State. Um, in their last seven ACC regular season games, if they get that ACC tournament win over a team like Clemson and they win these games they're supposed to win on the road, it's it's probably still good enough. You might slip a little bit, but yeah. that's what you've got to do at the bare minimum, though. I mean, right. if you start losing some of those games, then you're, you're really in jeopardy. All right, we'll switch gears on the other side, talk some football. Syracuse with a new transfer defensive end. We'll tell you what you need to know about him and how it affects the Orange moving forward. Fizz Radio on the score 1260. 
Let's move over to some football talk now here on Fizz Radio. Tyler Rocky and Tim Leonard with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Thanks for joining us. We just wrapped up a bunch of basketball stuff. If you miss any of it, check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Spotify. So Syracuse football just brought in a Coastal Carolina transfer, Jeffrey Gunter. He was on campus about a week ago visiting the school and has now officially transferred over to Syracuse. So big, big thing for Syracuse here is the fact that this isn't a grad transfer type situation. So he will be able to sit out this next year. Right. And I think that's kind of big for Syracuse because you've got some studs on your defensive line right now in Alton Robinson, an all-conference guy. Kendall Coleman, a guy who should have been all should have been all-conference <laughs> based on his numbers and who he did it against last year. So, Jeffrey Gunter is, I mean, he's one of the best group of five defensive ends from yeah. last season. He was an all-A Sun or an all-Sun Belt rather uh, conference player last year on the first Former team. Chanticleer. Yep, five sacks. 49 tackles as, as a defensive end, too. Not bad. I think that's a really eye-popping number. Last year, Alton Robinson had 31 tackles. Kendall Coleman had 23 tackles. Yeah. And those guys were amongst the best in the conference. Now you got a guy who can really impact the run game. And Absolutely. last year we saw times where Syracuse's pass defense was great, but the run defense really needed a guy who could stuff on the outside or on the interior Maybe that's what Gunter can bring in two years because, and and we'll get into this in a little bit. But as excited as everyone is for the offense and how it's yeah. going to develop with Tommy defense DeVito, is exciting too. This defense is super exciting as well, and they're going to do a lot of really good things over these next three or four years with the unit that they have in hand and the guys that they have coming in over the next couple of years. Because Gunter still has three years of eligibility. Yeah, it's a lot of time, and he's six, right, he has got he's got three years. He's got two to play years. Two years, right? So exactly. He yeah. has to sit out this next year, but he still has two years to play, which is which is great because once you lose Robinson and Coleman, he can slide in, and hopefully he'll be ready by then. There's no reason to believe this. And you're guy bringing in a guy with college experience. Yes, too. he's he's got college experience, and also the track record for the defensive line coaches, Vincent Reynolds, and that whole bunch. I mean, Alton Robinson was a community college guy that is not was not highly recruited at all, and they turned him into an all-conference guy, and obviously Alton Robinson put in the work and all that, and he's He was really at A&M out. for a little bit, too. Yeah, but, and, and he's yeah. he's got some talent, but it's not like he was eye-popping or anything. And mm-hmm. this guy, 6'4", 255, I mean, you bring in a guy with a lot of size, a lot of vertical size especially, and like you said, those numbers are really pretty solid from Coastal Carolina. He's... Not going to jump off the page right away, I don't think, but he gets that year to sit out and learn from some of these upperclassmen defensive ends, and it feels like that was a position of need in two years, and they're sewing that up. And this is more proof that a recruiting class that maybe at one point we thought was a little bit underwhelming, I know this isn't technically this class mm-hmm. recruiting-wise, but still, what Dino's doing, this kid comes for a visit, and he locks him down right away. And maybe they were recruiting him a little bit outside of that. But once he came, it was it was immediately after that he says, all right, I'm going to Syracuse and I'm transferring. So this is more proof based on the likes of getting Summers, the QB, and all that, that this is trending up after at, – at some points we looked at the recruiting class and said maybe partially because they have a lot of returners coming back and there's not as many positions to fill. This is a little bit underwhelming. You think they take more of a step up in year two or year three 
of that recruiting class for Dino Babers. But they're getting guys now after the fact that are making it look better and better. You're listening to Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260. Tyler Rocky, Tim Letter. So, Tim, I think this is where we're going to differ in opinion a little bit. Over the next three, four years, more excited for offense or defense? I'm more excited for offense. I mean, that's because I'm pretty in on Tommy DeVito. And I, I get, I think you're going to say defense, and mm-hmm. we talked about this a little bit. It's it's exciting on the defensive side of the ball, too, because you're bringing back a lot of talent. But Dino Babers is an offensive guy. They're getting Abdul Adams a running back. It's been a while since Syracuse has had one of those true running backs. You can hand the ball off to. He's got big playability, and he can get you five, six yards kind of whenever you need it or Hopefully that's the case. I mean, again, in that bowl game, he looked great. And you're you're building in more of the talent that is recruited for the Dino system. So it's easy to say defense, and I, I get the argument, but at the same time, it's Tommy DeVito. It's orange is the new fast. There's a lot to be excited about on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with defense on this one because you look at what this team did last year, all right, and then you're going to lose some of those pieces, but you're filling in the holes with a couple of four-star linebackers, Michael Jones and Lee Koba. I'm excited what they're going to do and how they're going to grow and develop as three-, four-year players with this team. Yeah. And then Andre Sisco and Trill Williams in your secondary for the foreseeable future. Iffy Melifon will. Yep, I, I completely blanked on his right. name, too. Um, there's a lot of really talented of players, and you got to imagine they're going to pick up probably another four-star guy for the secondary at some point, because that's just how this team's maneuvering at this point on the recruiting trail. And you add in maybe a, a defensive tackle here or there that really surprises you and impresses you. Mm-hmm. I'm more excited for the defense, because I think as, as great as the offense is, as awesome as those bombs that Dungy would throw to, whether it be Nikeem Johnson or Jamal Custis or Sean Riley, I feel like the defense really rejuvenated that dome. Uh, yeah. They came up they with some bit that third down defense is what it's really gets great. that place rocking. Right. Forcing a punt. You do that a couple times against Clemson on big plays. That's what's gonna really bring these fans out. They have a lot of like playmakers on this defense right. now. Like dudes like obviously. It's guys that are they play defense, but it feels like they play offense based on how much you hear yeah, the names. Yeah, they're speed guys. I mean, obviously Cisco has proven that he's a ball hawk and, and all these other guys we mentioned. I mean, it's definitely better, I think, in terms of Syracuse football in the near future to have more talent on the defensive side of the ball because Dino is going to produce on offense regardless of if it's got some sluggish spots, whether it's wide receiver like last year where he managed and all that. So, I mean, that's the bigger thing. I think in order for them to take that next step, get to an Orange Bowl type thing, it's just the defense takes that next step, and they started to show signs of that last year. Yeah, so – I. I'm pretty excited either way. I think right, right now, two Syracuse, good choices. ACC amongst ACC teams. I mean, Clemson's the obvious pick as a team that's trending up, but it feels like they've plateaued. I mean, the national <laughs> championship is kind of a plateau for you. Yeah, they're Syracuse only the greatest team ever. Syracuse got to be the one trending up the most right now. But yeah, amongst I mean, every other, all team these in the other conference. teams are kind of trending down. Virginia Tech. I don't know. Miami's kind of in a lull right now with the new head coach and. Obviously, Florida State is not what they were a couple of years ago contending for national titles. So you're right. I mean, this, there's a legitimate shot that Syracuse is going to contend for an ACC title. And if they keep getting guys like this, I know he's sitting out this year, but Gunter's a guy that can make an impact in a couple of years. That'll be certainly a lot of fun to monitor over the next couple of years. All right, when we come back, we'll wrap things up. Fizz Feedback on the other side. It's Fizz Radio. 
All right, let's put a bow on things. Fizz Radio, Score 1260, Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard. Got about another five minutes or so with you here. So we threw out some questions on our Twitter account, at Orange Fizz. You guys vote in the polls and give us some responses as well. Just going to start out with this one because this one's driving the most traffic right now. Syracuse has four games remaining against ranked opponents, Louisville, Duke, UNC, and Virginia. How many of those will they win? Zero is currently in second at 30%. One is the lead dog with 51%, two at 17%, and three or more at 2%. That's optimistic. Let's, uh, let's read some of the responses here. At Christina Q says, people voted zero, dot, dot, dot. Really? Wow. Give this team support. And then they get a response from at Tony Cuse 44 bunch of haters. I'm predicting two. Syracuse Waterboy. That's a nice Twitter name. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, that. that's – and then obviously you can continue on. I, I love this one. the other end of the spectrum <laughs> down Is here. Jim Beheim still the coach? Question mark. Oh, then zero. Oh, man. That's brutal. Yeah, that's a shot. I mean, I, I'm taking one here. I think that's the, that's the leader in the clubhouse, 51% as of right now. And I think Louisville is the win. And then it becomes – we're obviously talking about Duke, UNC, Virginia. UNC on the road, Louisville, Duke, Virginia at home. I just don't see how they get two. I mean, it's as simple as that. It's possible, but if I had to pick one, I if think you don't one beat is Louisville, a safe bet. If you don't beat Louisville, you're not getting two. No. But the no. way I do see this, too, is I think that two is probably more likely than zero. Yes, I agree. I would agree with that because if they beat Louisville, let's say, and they get that one, then they get some confidence under their belt. And these are three of the four of them are at home where we right. know they're capable of packing the dome when it's a big game, getting a huge boost from the crowd and all that. Yeah, I think I think two is more likely than zero, but I'm probably going to stick with the majority here and say one. Next up, we've got, would you have liked to see more Robert Braswell in the second half last night? An overwhelming majority of you. Talk about a poll I never thought I'd yeah. see. <laughs> Especially in year number one. Right. Uh, an overwhelming, play too. overwhelming majority of you said yes at 87%, just 13% of you chalking up a no vote there. I mean, I don't really, I don't really know which way I lean on this one. The easy answer is yes, because he mm-hmm. did play well. But at the same time— Because it's something fresh, new, and it kind of works, so you're going to say yes. Right. I mean, that's the, the kind of cop-out answer, and it's hard to say no after how he played. However, do we really want him out there? Like, I, I'm not—I mean, you're looking at a lot of ranked teams coming up. So to say, would you want him out there in the second half against Louisville? Like, I don't think I'm ready for that just yet. I think— he could potentially make an impact later on down the road, but I, we didn't like Syracuse didn't work him in enough to get him ready to just be thrusted into a top twenty game, top ten game with a huge packed Carrier Dome crowd. I mean, it, it's just a completely different thing to play in the second half. I, I'm going to say no here, and that's because I think people are just quick to jump the gun and say, "Wow, he changed things with his steals." However, a lot of those were some bad passes from NC State, and it's not like he really did anything on the offensive end, and they need the offense. Right. I think you bring up a good point there is you need guys offensively. So looking forward, you're going to need to score some points against the Louisvilles, the Virginias, the Dukes, the Carolinas. So with that being said, you throw Robert Braswell out there for extended periods of time, and he's not giving you offense. It's last season all over again where you've got three guys out there on the floor who can score – and two guys who 
are doing nothing. Three on five offense yeah. is especially <laughs> with this team. Not good. I I know Robert Braswell has a shooting threat to him, but he's taken less than ten shots this year. I'm pretty he sure he hasn't played enough to warrant getting that playing time in the second half. Right, and I think that w- when you look at the grand scheme of things, he's probably not going to be getting upwards of ten minutes a game. He'll probably appear in a couple more ACC games. How many more games do you think he he sees in the ACC? I I mean, he might appear in some garbage time here or there if they get blown out in one of these games or such. In general minutes, I'd say he appears maybe in one more game in ACC play, and I think that's fine. It's just the nature of it. Yeah. That really might be high. I don't know if we'll see him again. I mean, and that's not a bad thing. It's just he hasn't gotten worked in. Right. And to be honest— there are a lot of bodies ahead of him right now. Yeah. And I don't think as many teams are going to be in your shirt I'd rather see more Jalen Carey before Robert Braswell. The way Frank Car- – I know he had a bounce-back game, but not really with the turnovers and things like that. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Fizz Radio. For Tim Leonard, I'm Tyler Aki. We'll be back next week, same time. We'll talk soon.